growth is very hungry, very thirsty for cash, and you'll always need more cash than you possibly would have anticipated. So yeah, build a good build out a good cash flow. Keep it up to date. It's not something you do once a month. It's something you need to keep on top of weekly, if not daily. Jim Collins, his analogy is, well, the oxygen tanks for your business are cash reserves. So if you can build cash reserves out for initially three months worth of operating costs and um, then in six months of operating costs, you know, some businesses have got more than 12 months of operating costs. That's fantastic. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hello, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. This is Gavin Preston. It's been my vision for the podcast to intermingle interviews with exciting, interesting, engaging business leaders, business owners, with uh, me sharing some ideas, some thoughts, some insights um, that I'm speaking about uh, at the events I speak at and also working with clients on. And today I want to talk about what is the impact of political and economic uncertainty on your business. Um, We obviously in the UK currently have a huge amount of political uncertainty and that is having its effect uh, and will increasingly have a knock-on effect in terms of economic uncertainty. But if you take aside... um, the B word, the Brexit word, and put it on side, you know, as we know, the economies follow a cycle and approximately over a 10 year cycle. And there are a number of market indicators that are suggesting that we're pretty much at the top, if not the top of the economic cycle. The UK stock market last year kind of ended pretty much where it started at the beginning of the year. And the UK sort of day-to-day business economy tends to follow the same 12 months behind. So, Many uh, observers are suggesting that the economy is going to be pretty flat in 2019 in the UK, but many are also expecting some level of economic downturn, slowdown, turbulence, whatever language you want to use, um, beyond 2019. How long it will last, how deep it will be, we won't know, but the market indicators are there that there is going to be some slowdown. And certain companies in the UK, with the likes of uh, Honda and Swindon and Nissan, up in uh, the northeast, up in Sunderland, uh, you know, mo- moving out of the UK in the for- foreseeable future, or changing where they're going to produce certain, uh, build certain vehicles, uh, new models, you know, into other countries, are going to have a knock-on effect. Airbuses, you know, rattling the sabre, but they may well leave. All of this is having an effect on real-world jobs. But interestingly, the uncertainty around political, uh, around, uh, around what's going to happen on the political landscape, is causing a lot of businesses business owners, boards of directors to just hold back from investment to wait and see. Well, that holding back from investment, again, has a real world knock-on effect on the economy. So with a world of uncertainty, you know, what do we want as human beings, as business owners, as business leaders? We want more certainty. And how do we create more certainty? Well, there's certain things that we can control or certainly have a great degree of influence over. And what I want to talk today about is, is cash. And the importance of cash in your business, particularly at times uh, in the, at the stage of the economic climate where we are at now. Also, this is a very pertinent message if you're scaling and growing your business. Growth 
is very hungry, very thirsty for cash, and you'll always need more cash than you possibly would have anticipated. So I want to share with you some ideas and some thoughts and observations that you can put into practice right now to prepare you. Um, for those of you that know me, my hobby and my passion is sailing. And uh, I use an analogy that if you're just coastal sailing around uh, around your sort of home port, if you know the weather forecast is bad and there's a storm that's coming, you don't go out to sea, you stay in the harbour, the safe harbour. However, if you're sailing across Atlantic, um, an ocean, like I had the privilege a number of years ago to sail across the Atlantic, once you're out at sea and the weather forecast is that... Uh, that you've actually got some storm uh, conditions coming your way, you, well, you can't retire to a harbour for safety. You have to prepare your vessel, your boat, to make sure that it's as uh, seaworthy and prepared as possible. You have to prepare your crew. Um, you have to look at contingency plans around you know, some of your safety equipment, what you will do in response to the storm. And importantly, if you have enough time, how could you change course ahead of time to avoid the worst of the impact and the worst of the storm. And in actual fact, that's what did happen to us when we sailed across the Atlantic. We did have a a forecast of a big storm coming our way and we were able to do enough of a detour. It was a several hundred miles worth of a detour, but we were able to do enough of a detour to avoid the worst of the storm conditions. So there are market indicators. The economic forecast uh, is certainly suggesting that we've got some economic turbulence. So what can you do to prepare your your business, your, they all make it as kind of like storm-worthy, as seaworthy as possible. Um, well, the first thing you can do is build cash reserves. It's c- Cash, of course, we know is the lifeblood of a business. I often use phrases king. Um, it is very, very important. But what a lot of business owners do is actually only manage their business by the amount of cash that they have in the bank. And they haven't necessarily got a good enough, robust enough cash flow forecast that gives them a future view of what the cash ins and outs in the business are going to be in three, six, nine, 12 months and beyond. So, you know, first thing before you even build cash reserves actually is to make sure you've got a really good cash flow forecast where you built it out on a spreadsheet or you're using some other cash forecasting apps um, like My Profit C. Uh, my my profit and then c s w e so myprofitc.com is all one word um that's just something i found in my own research by the way uh, i've got no link to them um but but the important point here is that you are actually looking at your cash's inflows and outflows and you're projecting your cash flow out over future months why well if you see you've got a hole in the cash flow that you haven't got enough you don't expect to have enough funds beyond the working capital provision or the overdraft facility that you might have if you know that that's three, four months out, you've got time to go to your bank to put an application in for increased overdraft facility. You've got time to look for other funding sources, whether that be um, other loan services or sources such as Funding Circle and there's many other sources out there in the modern marketplace now, um, or a bank loan or uh, other, other resources around funding. But my point being is that if you've got enough of a view, enough of a kind of a runway out to be able to see where there might be a hole in the cash flow, you've got time to do something about it. The bank doesn't like you to ring up on a uh, on a Monday and say, you know, I need another £50,000, whatever the number is, by Thursday because I've got a, 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 I need to pay payroll on Friday. That doesn't give them any level of confidence in your ability to, to manage and, and run your business. So yeah, build a good build out a good cash flow. Keep it up to date. It's not something you do once a month. It's something you need to keep on top of weekly, if not daily. And 
be able to be and, and so the, then what you know need to be able to do with the cash flow projections is look at different scenarios so for example if i wish to win jobs x y and z that are in my sales pipeline what will that do to the cash flow is that actually going to because those jobs are profitable is that going to create more of a cash buffer or in the short term because there's a lot of upfront expense on those jobs before we actually get paid is it going to cause a lot of extra pressure on the cash flow well, that's a very different conversation where you can take a signed order or, or uh, and, uh, to, to a bank or to a funder to say, this is, I'm looking for working capital finance to help fund growth and fund taking on these new contracts. So scenario plan. You know, sometimes you can look at a cash flow projection based on actual confirmed order book, and then you can see, goodness, there's a, there's a hole in the cash flow. However, if you then do, to run another scenario and look at your order pipeline, your sales order pipeline and say, what are the jobs that I've got that are, say, more than 75% chance that we're going to get them to win those? What And also another scenario, what are the jobs that are more than 50% chance and between 50 and 74% chance that we're going to secure those? And add the income in from those two scenarios to see what difference does the income and the costs associated with winning that work between 75 and 99% uh, success rate, uh, chance of winning, and between 50 and, and uh, 74%. And, th- and then you'd be able to run those scenarios here and say, well, if we won this extra work, it would have this impact. And if we won this next layer down of extra work, it would have this impact. So all of a sudden you could have gone from looking at your cash flow of confirmed work where you got a hole in the end uh, to a, a potential solution to it by winning that extra work, which then focuses everybody's efforts, including the sales team's effort on making sure you, you do whatever it takes in order or you, you increase the contact with the client and you um, and your responsiveness, your following up, whatever you need to do in order to be able to close those deals. So that's the thing. first point is around building out the cash flow. Second, um, build the cash reserves. Um, if you have a period of time where things don't go as well in your business because of an economic slowdown, you want to make sure that you can survive that. You want to make sure that you've always got enough money to pay the overheads, to pay the pay, make payroll. In actual fact, Jim Collins in his book, Built to Last, uses the analogy in terms of organizations that have last been built to, to been a very great, great uh, level of performance, but then stayed there and lasted. He used the analogy of teams that were successful that climbed up Everest. And he said that the teams that were successful left extra oxygen tanks, oxygen reserves on the mountain at strategic places on the way up. So if they were storm bound and stuck on Everest, on their descent, they could, you know, bunker down from the storm, but there was oxygen there to enable them to survive. And he, Jim Collins, his analogy is, well, the oxygen tanks for your business are cash reserves. So if you can build cash reserves out for initially three months worth of operating costs, and um, then in six months of operating costs, you know, some businesses have got more than 12 months of operating costs. Well, that's fantastic. What does that do for you? Well, also it gives you, uh, first of all, it takes away the worry, the concern, in some cases, even the panic, um, it gives you time. Because if you know that you've got your operating costs covered, say, for six months, you've got time to pivot, to change direction, to um, uh, try and test the market with a new product or a service, to be able to get extra funding, to get investment, uh, to cut your cost base, and the list goes on. So my encouragement uh, is to build out those uh, the, the cash reserve to at least six months, if not more, with of operating costs. You do that in your own personal finances as well, by the way. You know, your costs of living in terms of mortgage or rent and 
food and utility bills and the list, you know, car payments and saving up for holidays or whatever it might be in your own personal budgeting and financing. Again, if you've got six months worth of um, costs uh, put to one side in a deposit account, gives you a sense of fi- a feeling of financial security, but it also is like an, your own personal insurance. You know, let's say, for example, that you fell ill or had an accident and you weren't able to work for six months. You've got that bit covered. In fact, most people in the Western world are only one paycheck away from personal financial challenge. So we should get into a practice of gradually building up a pot. It might take you several months to build up that sort of financial security part, but I'd really encourage you to do that over time. Build those cash reserves. Well, what else can you do to be to be improving your cash flow? Well, go lean, reduce your cost base. So take a look at employee headcount. Um, the one that you know is everybody in your organisation absolutely necessary. I know this is a a hard subject, and uh, n- nobody wants to see anybody uh, being made redundant or being um, you know put out of work. But the reality is, do you, do you have to take actions to save? the majority of the organization to save the company. And sometimes as a business is growing and scaling, we can put a little sort of too much fat on the uh, on the bone in terms of extra costs, extra employees that maybe when we look at it, you know, clinically, we recognize that we need to save costs in order to be able to improve cash flow in order to be able to survive. You know, subscriptions, direct debits, these are something that, you know, particularly in the, the, the uh, age of software as a service subscriptions, where there's relatively small payments going out every month, um, it's so easy for those to cumulatively amount to a relatively big number. Though I'd go through the bank statement and and identify, do we absolutely really need that? Working with a client recently, and um, there was a system they used to manage all the stock in their warehouse um, to hire out. And we found another solution, which is supremely better at a third of the monthly cost, and it links through to their accounting system and enables ease of quoting and ease of invoicing that again links through to their accounting system. So it's when you look down that PL account and you look down at the, the bank and the cost base and you go, gosh, do we really need that? Or is there a cheaper solution in the marketplace? And that can make a fantastic difference. Um, gym memberships, you know, whether that be personal or, or professional, do you use them? Do you get value from them? Meeting room hire, you know, can really add up a significant amount of costs in terms of meeting room hire over over the course of a year. Can you meet in a foyer of a hotel? Can you um, go and meet in a sort of a, a back corner of a pub? Maybe not that professional. Um, you know, hot desking area, you can often get together in a hot desking area, which is significantly cheaper than going to a hotel uh, or, you know, co-working type space. It's a lot cheaper than going to a to a hotel and hiring a meeting room out for the day. Entertainment, meals, subsistence costs. How how strict is your policy for your for your employees? How quick? How well is it adhered to? Do you need to tighten up? You know the standard, the com- uh, the accommodation that people are staying in. You know they don't necessarily, of course, need to stay in a four or five star hotel when a premier in, or even a local bed and breakfast may be appropriate. Airbnb can be a cheaper way of actually sourcing accommodation than going to the normal hotel routes. Again, with hotels, if you've got regular booking with a particular hotel chain or with a particular hotel, have a conversation with them about a corporate rate based on the amount of usage to business you'd be able to expect to put their way. 
I've had an experience of, of doing that and it works very, very well on both sides. They're going to get a continuity of booking and therefore they're prepared to, uh, to offer you a competitive corporate rate. Um, mobile data and phone charges, they uh, rack up over time, don't they? And particularly with data, extra data bundles or data charges on, on when we're using 4G data for uh, internet access and emails, etc. Um Look at diff- different suppliers. You know, you could get a, a, a mobile hotspot dongle with like an EE data SIM in it, which is a lot cheaper than using the data on your on, on with your other mobile phone carriers uh, that you might have. So again, look at the solutions around data usage and where you may be paying over the odds for excess data charges every single month. Just a basic increase in your tariff and your data bundle on your tariff could be significantly cheaper than paying the excess data usage every month. Look at professional services fees. Are you getting value for money? Are you using all of those services? Um, look at employee expense claims. Are they uh, uh, are people, the uh, members of your, uh, your team, are they uh, applying for the right things and putting through as expenses? Or are they putting through things on expenses that are not part of your company expense policy? Do you even have a company and expense policy? Exhibition and marketing costs. You know, exhibitions can be absolutely brilliant and effective for your business, but are you monitoring the return on not only your investment but your time investment? And could there be better? You know, could you make the same contacts by attending the exhibition as an attendee, as a delegate, rather than paying for a display stand and all the costs that go with it, an exhibition stand? Take a look at utility companies. Can you change your supplier of gas, electricity, phone, for example? Uh, waste collection can you change your supplier or get a better deal uh, raw material suppliers can if you use a, a do a significant amount of business with a particular raw material trade supplier could you negotiate a rebate on hitting certain targets of um, of turnover in terms of purchasing from them vehicle and fuel suppliers you know where possible get rid of staff fuel cards and replace them with an expense claim system this will reduce the, reduce the cost of fuel on personal mileage for the business Stationery and printing suppliers shop around. Quite often we use the same old stationery and print supplier that we've used for the last goodness knows how many years. Shop around, get a better deal. Same with photocopy and printer suppliers, IT equipment and support, training course providers, auditors, um, not only financials, you know, accountants, auditors, but also health and safety, pat testing, etc. The list goes on. Um, premises leases, can you negotiate better rates? Can you sublet the space that you're not using? So look at the detail, ask yourself the question, do we really need to spend on this? And what would happen if we no longer had this in the business? You know, would the business, uh, would it be a detrimental impact to the business? Where possible, move fixed to variable costs. So if you, you a friend of mine um, used to be the CFO of a, a European sports uh, retailer, and they were able to get their business out of expensive high street leases and move their, uh, their retail space into a concessions within department stores. Much more flexible in terms of the term of getting in and getting out of those agreements than the high street shops. And that really helped them scale and adjust the size of their flex the size of their business in, in terms of demand during changes, you know, economic, of the economic cycle. Make those tough decisions. You know, if the cash is about to run out, you have to cut cash flows. You know, CEOs, MDs, managing directors have to make those tough decisions, however painful they may be. You've got to act now and you've got to act in the best interest of the company. In actual fact, you know, a quote from 
Larry Ellison is, you have to act now and act in the best interest of the company as a whole, even if it means some people in the company who are your best friends have to work somewhere else. So be prepared to make those tough decisions. Identify the best people in your business, the people that are essential to survival and future growth of your business. Quietly reassure them they are key to the business because you will need to keep the really good people. Yeah, having been through this from both sides of um, of the fence, you know, the director making the tough calls and having the even tougher conversations from the side to being an employee, helping and coaching my clients through that process. Um, I think my biggest insight from that is that everybody's going to survive. It might be bumpy for those concerned for a short period of time, um, but they'll be okay. And this might sound that I'm diminishing the consequences of a loss of income to a household. I'm certainly not doing that. It's serious. But we're better to serve those affected by providing them support to find and secure a new role. And of course, on many occasions, I've seen employees take the redundancy payment and quickly land themselves a new and sometimes better paying job within a couple of weeks. So depending on the size of the redundancy payment, some of them have been able to do something meaningful with that money for them and their families. So, and, But granted, this I know this is not always the case. So... A note of caution when it comes to cost cutting is the aim of the exercise is to reduce your costs in order to survive. And if you cut costs and resources and capabilities so far, you cannot deliver to your customers, then you're likely to lose business, which of course would steepen the decline. So be smart, keep your eye on recovery, knowing the storm will pass, but be sure to keep key people and capability as you're going to need it and it may you may find it harder to replace in the future. And remember, this too will pass. So other ideas you can do in terms of improving your cash flow, collecting overdue invoices, offer early settlement discounts to customers, make a special offer, raid your own piggy bank and as a director, as an owner, put money back in, extend your credit facilities with your suppliers, agree repayment plans with creditors, such as the the VATMAN, for example, the Inland Revenue, and... Yeah, they will often work with you about that, particularly on VAT. They won't allow you to do it for every VAT return, but certainly for at least one of those, they're the first of those, they will work on a repayment plan, say, over three months. Um, review how much cash you've got t- t- tied up at different stages of your working capital cycle. So if you've got too much cash tied up in raw material stock or a, a old finished stock that hasn't been sold, then arrange just-in-time delivery on your raw materials and your parts for manufacturer and have a sale for some of the old finished stock that hasn't been sold so far. Credit insurance in times of economic uncertainty. Ensure the credit you give to your customers and this will help protect you as well. So those are a number of ideas of what you should do. But on one hand, people can get too much focused on the cost side. I think there has to be an equal balance on what are you doing to generate more income. What do you? How creative could you be for new offers to the market? How creative can you be in terms of offering upsell opportunities that increases the average order value from customers? What can you do in order to increase prices? Depending on the price sensitivity of your your target market, some of the, you might be able to increase prices by ten percent without losing a significant number of customers, and that have a big impact on your bottom line. And the other thing I'd like to encourage you to do is to get rid of degrade customers. So what do I mean by that? So if you could imagine you, you've got sort of four fuel grades of customers, A, B, C, and D. Now, degrade customers are low margin, high maintenance, through to A grade customers that are high margin and low maintenance. So your degrade customers 
We've all got them or we've all had them in our business. These are people that no matter how much you do for them, they're never satisfied. They've always got a complaint. You end up throwing money and time and resource at solving the problems for them and they're still never grateful. Whereas your A-grade customers, they love you. They are fans. They really see, appreciate and tell people about the value they get from your product or your service. And as a result, they're great people to work with and the feeling's mutual and they really are fans and therefore they're low maintenance. Now, if why do we take on degrade customers? Well, often we say, "Oh, we need to take that business because we need to we need it towards keeping the lights on and the you know the door open, i.e., a contribution towards overhead." Well, that's all well and good up until a certain point when you've hit capacity in your manufacturing or your ability in your resourcing to be able to service your customers. But also, it's what does it do to your reputation? Because ideally, you of course want more A grade clients who are higher margin. They could look at your business and your customer base and be put off that you're serving too many of those D-grade clients. So my encouragement would be for you to introduce your D-grade clients to somebody else because your D-grade clients are going to be somebody else's A-grade clients in terms of the way their business structures are set up. So introduce them to your uh, your D-grade clients and then focus your marketing efforts, your sales efforts, your customer service efforts to attracting and retaining more A-grade clients. Uh, uh, recently I spoke to an organization that had done this and that's one of the best things they'd done and in 12 months just by replacing D-grade clients with A-grade clients they had quadrupled their net profit their bottom line so fantastic um, example of the power of replacing D-grade customers with A-grade customers so a number of ideas there that can help you are in times of Uh, economic uncertainty or concerns around pressure on cash. Always make sure that not only you're focusing on the cash and cash flow projections, but that your activities are leading to profit on the bottom line. In times of uncertainty, what are the things that we can control? By controlling those, things like cash, for example, that gives us a greater sense of confidence and a greater sense of certainty that gives us the fuel and enables us to have uh, to take the actions required in order to be able to help our business. So when you're approaching, you're going back to that kind of like sailing analogy, um, when you're approaching the storm, you know that you've done everything you possibly can. You're certain your preparation has been good to give you the best chance of weathering that storm. And you enter that with a level, yeah, sure, probably some, uh, absolutely some um, intrepidation and some uh, absolute um, and justifiable respect for the elements. But you're going into that situation with a lot more confidence and you are likely to be able to take the actions and respond to whatever's thrown at you in a much better way, having done that preparation and going into that situation with that greater level of certainty. So there's Gavin Preston, if you want to find out more of the work that I do, then check out my YouTube channel, Gavin Preston One on YouTube. Connect with me on LinkedIn and also uh, follow me on Twitter. And I look forward uh, to having the opportunity to connect with you personally in the future. This episode of the Business Mastermind is brought to you by the Evolve Mastermind. The Evolve Mastermind is a business mastermind for business owners of businesses turning over between 500,000 and 5 million per annum. 
Their monthly events provide you with solutions, strategies, inspiration and insights to help you scale and grow your business. Each month there's a hand-picked speaker to provide you with relevant strategies plus time to mastermind with other business owners on issues that are facing you and your business. With groups in Chelmsford in Essex and Manchester in the Northwest and more locations planned, go to www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. That's www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.